Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. And uh, international break, of course, this week. Um, usually during international break, there's not too much to talk about, but uh, this is Italian football and there's always stuff going on. Um, so we're going to be, first of all, reviewing the, the two Italy games. Italy played against England in Naples uh, on Thursday and lost, uh, and then played against Malta uh, on Sunday and won. So we'll be reviewing those, those two matches, positives and negatives, Roberto Mancini, uh, Matteo Retegi, um, very, very eventful debuts. Um, and um, looking at Mancini's uh, future, is he still the right man? Does he still re- retain our faith? Which players should, should we be going, going forward with? Um, the Italy kit. I want to do a little segment on the Italy kit. Um, there's been a lot of criticism of it. I absolutely hate it. Um, I don't know what Nima thinks, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Italy kit. Um, and then also on the from the club side of things, uh, Antonio Conte was sacked on Sunday evening. We're going to look at where he could go next. He's, I think he's going to be returning to Italy. So who could be his next club? We're going to discuss that. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, has been involved in some beef with the Swedish media. Um, Nimmer's going to take that away. Um, very, very interesting topic. Uh, and also... Um, Fantasy football, um, this this surely will be, or is it, or will it be fantasy football? And that is Lionel Messi going to uh, Inter in the summer. There's been reports in Spain over the weekend that Lionel Messi could join Inter on a free transfer. Um, I think that's very unlikely, but let's discuss that as well. And of course, Badger and Prem face of the week. So yeah, it should still be a very, very fun show today. Um, for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday reviewing the weekend action in Italian football and all the biggest talking points. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode, which we do every Tuesday, where we answer the questions sent in from our patrons, plus our weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction uh, and much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for $2.99 a month plus VAT. And for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and more, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating. Uh, give us a follow, uh, subscribe to us. That really, really helps us to uh, to grow. Okay, right, let's get into it. Okay, let's start off first with uh, the most recent game, Malta versus Italy. Because um, first of all, Italy did play England on Thursday and England won 2-1. And Nimmo's already done a, a post-match reaction um, on that, which he did on Thursday night. And that's for our patrons only. So... Um, for those of you that, that want a specific uh, analysis of that match um, alone, then then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and um, become a member for two ninety nine, as I said, and you can and you can listen to Nimmer's analysis. Um, we will we will talk about the the Malta and England games um, as a whole um, in a bit, but first of all, I want to just focus on on Sunday night's game against Malta, um, which Italy won two nil. Um, Given the level of opposition, Nima, probably not too much we can read from this game. But what were the takeaways for you from the from well, the win? Yeah, that is that um, exactly that. It's it's with all due respect to Malta, they this is not a very good team. This is a team that Italy should beat even with their under twenty ones. Um, 
and I'm not reading too much into it, but I do, what I don't like, and I will reiterate this, and if Mancini is going to continue to do this, he's going to get himself sacked and he's going to cost Italy uh, a lot. And, and, and that is the formation. The 4-3-3 needs to go. It's been read to death um, by Italy's opponents. And if Italy don't have higher ambitions than beating Malta, this formation needs to go. I don't understand why he's insisting on it. He played a 3-5-2. Before, it looked really well. He's played a 3-4-2-1. He's tried different formations. I don't understand why he's continuing to... I don't know what happened since last time that he sort of fell into this trap of, oh, 4-3-3 with, is the only way forward with, with two ball, you know, ball ball-retaining midfielders, deep-lying midfielders like Jorginho and Verratti, although they didn't, you know, they didn't start in this game. But you know what I mean? Like, th- this yeah. this attitude of th- this kind of play that he's got is just, to me, I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't get it. Um, I, I, and I think it's going to be bad for Italy. Um, he needs to change uh, th- that, 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 you know. To what system would you have. change to? I, would, I think he should play a 3-5-2. I think when you, I think first of all, Italy. Okay, we're going to get to Retegi, who's been outstanding. Um, but I think with the players it, it, Italy have got, the problems they've got in the squad, the best way to get out it, get out of this squad, the, 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 the what you get the most out of this squad is playing a three-five-two. Why? Because you get the the three central midfielders, which I think Italy always should have on the pitch, given the quality they've got. Um, you have given the the defenders they have, the central defenders they have. They can most of them can play in a back three, can do so really well. Um, the wing backs from Di Marco to Udoji to Palmieri to whoever he wants to play on the left side, Spinazzola, all can play as wing backs. Di Lorenzo can play to the right of a right centre back or as a more defensively defensive uh, wing back. I think he's he, he's shown the intelligence that this player has and the quality and uh, adaptability. I mean, when Spalletti spoke of him about. If 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 Napoli were a school, uh, Di Lorenzo would have the highest mark, not because he's the best player, but because of you know all these other attributes of the intelligence and 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 how to you know sacrifice yourself for the team and adapting and 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 you know putting yourself forward. Um, and also up front, I don't think Italy can play with a single striker. Um, I think with whether it's Nionto or Chiesa or Scamacca or Retegi or Raspadori. They they would do they would work better in a two man attack, um, and I think the three five two gets the most out of what Italy have, and also it makes Italy so less easy to read. Um, when you've got Jorginho Verratti on the pitch, you've essentially got two holding midfielders who don't move forward, um, and that makes Italy static. And teams have read in the Euros they could get past that because of, you know, they had you know Chiesa, they had. Um, Pessina, they had, you know, and, and some players that were more mobile in front of them, but the number nine problem was still there. Um, they had Leonardo Spinazzola, who was essentially a wing back. So it kind of made up for lots of these things. Now they don't have any of those things and they're just easy to read. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to what, what, what Italy should do moving forward first. But I mean, just on this Malta game, um, I, I would say that first half was decent. Uh, I think they they were obviously fortunate not to go behind early on when Donnarumma saved the one on one from from Satariano, I think it was. Uh, but you know, Italy created three big chances in the fir- in the first half. They scored two of them. 
Um, Grifo should have scored the third one. Then, then Italy should have had a penalty. It was a stonewall penalty that, w- that wasn't given. Uh, second half was very poor, though, um, from Italy. And they, they created nothing. Maybe they took their foot off the gas. Um, Malta actually had the best chance in the, in the second half. Um, so that's kind of how I view, view the overall game. In terms of positives, I think Politano was man of the match. He showed that he's much better in this 4-3-3. He's much better than, than Berardi in this 4-3-3. Berardi was dreadful against England. But Politano, what he brings is the ability to beat a man and his pace. Uh, and, you know, when Italy are predictable, like you said, uh, you know, you need players. Every team needs a player that can eliminate a man to create an overload and to, to create a numerical advantage. And that's what Politano does uh, very, very well. Um, so he, I thought he was excellent. Um, Tonali, although his overall game I didn't think was outstanding, he, he did show that, you know, the creativity and the and delivery especially that he has. And he, he got two assists, um, you know. The, Few deliverable um, when he's on song that better than than Tonali. So yeah, he was he obviously lots of positives there from Tonali, um, but also Persina, um, which I think goes in with, with the point that you're making, Nimmer, is that I think that Persina along with Tonali brought something to the Italy central midfield that that is often lacking. Um, Italy generally needs more goals and assists from midfield from the midfield three, and in fact, even going into the Euros, this was my big concern is that even though Verratti and Jorginho at that time of the Euros were at their peak and they were, they were, absolute, they were absolutely world-class players, absolutely fantastic at winning and controlling the central midfield. Um, you know, when you have Verratti and Jorginho both playing together with Barella, who I think can bring goals, but obviously is absolutely exhausted and, and has been in general for much of the, the last two years, is that, you know, these players, they rarely, certainly with Verratti and Jorginho, they rarely get into the box, they rarely score, they rarely even assist. Um, you know, if they get the ball on the edge of the box, you know, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be a threat with a shot, you know, and that is where they become easy to read, like you said. Um, so playing Tonali and Piscina, um, you get that, you get that threat. There's more of a goal threat there. And Piscina, well, both of them, but certainly Piscina, he makes those late runs into the box, you know, like the Frank Lampard kind of runs and he gets into positions that you won't see the other central midfielders and you'll never see Verratti and Jorginho get into those areas. So, you know, and obviously he scored. He scored the second goal in this game. And I think that that is something that whatever formation Italy play, they they, they need to have at least one centre midfielder that's always getting into the box. So I would say two. I would say in modern football, you need to be getting men into the box. Uh, otherwise, you become midfielders, sorry, have to be getting into the box. Otherwise, you be, do become too easy to, to play against and just to, to, to sit deep against. So, I think that is something that Pessina brings. He's got five international goals now in 16 games. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether Pessina is good enough to play against bigger teams, um, but I think he has his value. And certainly against the lesser teams, like in qualified, I think he's, he's useful because he, he offers that, that goal for it. So that's the, those are the positives for me. The negatives, I have to single out Scalvini. And I really want to ask you, Nima, what, you, what your thought is. Because I like asking people about skill, but Scalvini, because... I've watched a lot of him for Atalanta over the last two years. And I, I totally get he's really young. What is he? Still 19, um, Scalvini. I think it's fantastic that he's playing so much and that he's developing. Um, but I honestly, for everything I've seen in Scalvini, I don't get what the big fuss is about him so far. I mean, I believe in his potential. I'm not saying he has potential, but what I've seen of him until now, I don't see what this wonder kid is about him. And, and he in this game, he was very disappointed in this game. He got outpaced on that early chance and the only one and one that Malta had. It was just a simple ball over the top um, that Satari had a run to and he got done for pace on that, uh, which was very worrying for me. 
Uh, and then he got booked in the second half when he also got outpaced. He got done with a quick burst of pace from the, from a multiplayer. Um, so, you know, I think his lack of pace is a concern um, because in modern football, we know that if you lack pace, um, certainly playing in a back two, you can be in trouble. Um, so I don't know. What do you? Th- what's your opinion on uh, on on, on Scalvini? Um, I think I think it's look. There's no doubt, like you said, that it's there's a, there's a talent that it's a, it's a talented player. There's a player there. He could maybe one day become really great. But I think the fact that he already at 18 or 19 is is in the Italy squad is because Italy is is has no no future in the heart of defense except for Bastoni. No player that is of that level that Italy is used to. Um, Bastoni is the only one that comes close in central defense if you want to play a back four. Um, you saw what an unmitigated disaster it is when you have Acerbi and Toloi playing together, which are dis- a decision that Maroberto Mancini has to answer for. That was an insane decision against England. Um, I think Di Lorenzo on the right is no one gets near him. Uh, and and wing and, and on the left wing or wing back, same thing there. There's no problems. But the heart of defense does have an issue. Bastoni is the way is the left center back in a back four or the left center back of a back three. So it remains what else do you play? And Scalvini at 19 has played at a reasonably high uh, level, um, is far from the finished product. But I gotta say, I, I don't get, this isn't the reincarnation of Paolo Maldini. This isn't the rebirth of Andrea Barzagli or Giorgio Chiellini or anything like that. I, I think he can one, he could become a f- great player, top class player, but I don't see the wonder kid that everyone is raving about. And I haven't ever, but I do think it's right to have him in the it- Italy national squad. I think Roberto Mancini's decision to bring in youth, to bring in, you know, to, to, to do all the things he's doing, you know, Mancini's young revolution and, and challenging Italy's ideals of what Italian football or national team football is. I'm with him all the way on that. I support his Azzurri revolution 110%. I just have issues with particular decisions that Mancini makes. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, of course, is playing a back four with the, with the players he does. Do you not think, though, and I think that, and this is the case for Scalvini, but any anyone that's that's coming through and that potentially could be called up um, to play centre back for the Italy national team is that all pretty much everyone in Italy now um, are playing back threes. All, nearly everyone's playing yeah. back threes. I mean, yeah. Milan, and even Milan play back yeah. three now. I know they're Italian the, defenders, but, Juve, but Inter, yeah, Roma, Juve, it's only Lazio in the, and, and Napoli, Napoli in the top. Yeah. In the top, uh, five, to play back six. three with Scalvini. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the problem that when you go from p- always playing a back three to suddenly playing a back four, you know, especially when you've never played in a back four, like Scalvini, has Scalvini ever played in a back four? I, did, I, mean, I think Gasparini my... might have tried it a little bit, didn't he, when he was kind of, you know, experimenting over changing the, the style of play, yeah. I think, but it didn't work. You know, he's gone back to a back three. Um, I mean, so this is a this is an issue. It's not diff- not easy for him either. Or for anyone going from a back three to a back four, uh, especially when you lack pace, um, and that is that's my biggest concern. Of him. But yeah, I, I I haven't seen it. I don't see any standout uh, physical or technical attributes of of Scalvini, to be honest. That really stands out. I think he's obviously position positionally. I think he's pretty good. I think he reads the game pretty well. Uh, he's obviously very busy, like very well built and everything. But 
Yeah, I'm not. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not. I'm, for me, I'm not. He's still young, about, so he could easily develop. Well, exactly. But but, but mm. I think the reason why he's being hyped this much is because there is no other 19 year old or young Italian centre back that is anywhere near the level that he's played at, um, and that's why everyone's raving. But and that says everything you need to know about where Italy are, and that's why I keep saying that three five two is the way forward for Italy. I really think so, because regardless of who you play, um, you know if you're going to have Gianluca, if you're going to play Mancini, if you're going to play Acerbi, if you're going to play Toloi, if you're going to play Scalvini, Bastoni, and so on and so forth, they all play in a back three. Mm. Um, and, Di Lo- and you're lucky and blessed enough to have an intelligent player like Di Lorenzo who can interpret many other roles because he's just that intelligent. I mean, he's got such a high football IQ. Um, in terms of interpreting roles and adapting and putting the team's best ahead of his own. Um, We've seen it with him for season after season after season. So I think that that is the way forward. I really do. Um, But as for Scalvini itself, I'm with you on that. I don't, I I don't see the, you know, the new, you know, the reincarnation of the next great Italian, you know, uh, defender in him. I really don't. I really yeah. don't. Okay, but let, let's let's move on. But I could. But I mean, like I said, I mean, he's only nineteen years old, so you know. Oh yeah, in nineteen, most Italian players are playing in Serie yeah. A. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, we have to give him that. Um, okay, uh, let, let's move on to another problem position for Italy, and that is the centre forward. And we've had this the call up of Matteo Rettegi, who who you know that was the talking point ahead of these ahead of the uh, this double header. And he scored in both games. Um, so, what what did you make of his uh, overall performances? I think what I said in the um, what I said in the first in my post match reaction pod is uh, pretty much where I am with this, and that is that I uh, think that he, um, I think I think from you know it's still very early days. I know he scored in his first two first games for Italy, which is a very good sign. But my overall thing of him is. This guy is a fox in the box. He is a killer in the box. Um, he he smells a goal and he goes for it. He's not the most technical player. He's not going to dribble six, seven players. He's not going to, you know, he's not the guy who links up too much. He's kind of invisible until he gets a sniff in the penalty box. And that usually that's when he comes alive. Um, and and, and I, I mean, to be honest, that, you know, that don't Italy already have that in Ciro Immobile? Do you know what I mean? But he's just, you know, he's, he's younger than that. You know, a fox in the box. Um, that's why I think that as a lone striker in a 4-3-3, he just doesn't work. I think, mm. again, next to Scamacca, next to Raspadori, next to Chiesa, someone in a, in a front two, that's what I would, I think he would be absolutely lethal. Um, again, you know, you, this is international football. You, you can't pick and choose. These are the players you have. Um, and Italy should just get the best out of what they've got. And I do think that Italy do have a good squad. Every international side has weaknesses to some extent, one way or another. Maybe France is the only one that doesn't. But other than that, every other country does have weaknesses. And I think as, an, as, a, as a national team coach, your, your primary job is to get the best out of what you've got. Um, I, I do like Retegi. I, I'm really interested. I, I, I hope to see him in the Serie A soon. Um, he does, 
he there's a little bit of a like I said a Mauro Icardi Chiro Immobile kind of vibe around him in the sense that he's a killer in the box but he doesn't really link up that much he doesn't move that much outside the box you know he's good in the air um but his first touch might not be the best in the world um but he's a killer you know yeah. he, he well he, listen we can't yeah I agree with that and listen everything that Dan Edwards said and for those who haven't listened to it you know we did a profile on on Rategi last Wednesday um, which, you, which you can it's free for everyone which you, which you can listen to um, and everything that Dan said really was true played out in this um, you know he, he's a goal scorer he seems like he's a clinical finisher I mean if you look at them he had one one chance one clear chance against England he, he buried it uh, he had one big chance against Malta and, and and he buried it so he seems like he's a he's a very very good finisher um, obviously we, we're only judging this off a couple of games but um he, he he obviously comes alive in the box he's i would go further than saying he's good in the air he, he looks like a beast in the air like just 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 looking at how how he jumps and leaps over his um over his opponents um he looks he looks fantastic in the end the, the power he generated in the goal against malta as well he looks he looks fantastic aerially um but um yeah and and you know to score in both his first two games having never played in europe uh, and I think it's the first player Italy played since 1968 to score in both their first two games for their country. I mean, you can't argue with that. That's fantastic. Um, but you know, also like Dan, also like Dan said, he is not the best at coming deep, uh, holding the ball up, uh, bringing others into play. Um, he didn't really do much of that, and he didn't really look comfortable doing that. And yeah. For absolutely for sure. Some of his first touches were incredibly heavy. I think the first, his first touch in international football was a bit of a Lukaku touch against England. It went about <laughs> 10 yards in front of him. Um, you know, so that is that is the area that he needs to improve, um, you know, outside of the box, bringing others into play, um, you know, because that is important um, as well. I mean, you see see like what Harry Kane did against in, against Italy. I mean, he was absolutely... But I that's he was, the thing. Italy was absolutely don't fantastic. have that striker. This is what I mean. And when you don't have that striker, you can't play that kind of football. Mm. I mean, it's, it's again... I, like, think, I think that Skamaka on paper can do it, but obviously we've seen the problems. But he's not that, there yet in his yeah, career. Yeah, we've seen the like, problems. Again, you have to cut with the cloth you're dealt. You, 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 have to, you have to make do with what you've got and get the best out of what you've got. You can, you know, you can do... In, in club football, you can do what Conte does and continue to be stubborn until the management buys you what you want or you walk out. You don't have that unless unless um, Mancini intends on scouring the globe looking for an un, you know a player that we have not never heard of who's the new Harry Kane with Italian blood that he can you know neutralize and naturalize that's not going to happen. So you have Retegi here he's only 23 years old he looks like a killer in the box. Skamaka will leave England in the summer. You know, build around them, but get build a system that gets the most out of them. Mm. You've got, but he plays in the front class. two. He plays in the front two for um, for Tigre, yeah. uh, and that is his, again another thing that Dan said is that you know he is best in the front two. So I guess that yeah. is something else to to uh, yeah to back up your your suggestion. I mean, mm. Roberto Mancini as a whole. Yeah, we need to, to talk about this. Other than other than the formation, which you've made pretty clear that you think he should change the system. What what else? You know, what else can we take away from 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 these games in terms of where Roberto Mancini should go? I mean, does he? The big question is, does he? Do you still retain faith in him? Do you still think I, he is? I think 
I think his the, the 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 what he's trying to do, like I said, Roberto Mancini's Azzurri revolution of changing the mindset, reintegrating young players, giving young players more of a chance. The fact that he brings in the Nyontos, the Retegis, the all these young players that would never have had a chance. The, play, the fact that he even brought Salvatore Esposito from the Serie B to play in the Nations League. In the, I love that. He's opening up the windows and you know airing everything out, and he's doing it playing a very modern, progressive football. When they won the Euros, just look at how they played. This was not that was not the traditional Italy, right? But again, that I love him for that, and I want him to continue doing that because I think that's exactly what Italian football needs. However, he also needs results, and winning the Euros is historic. Failing to get to the World Cup, I'm even willing to give him a pass on that because I think, as we've discussed millions of times before, the specific reasons for that. But now there needs to be, he needs to show that he's the right man to lead Italy. And if he's going to continue insisting and turning the 4 3 3 into some sort of a project where he's looking at Spalletti and saying, oh, look at how he plays, that's how I want to play, but not having Kvaratskhelia, Lobotka, or Ossiman. No, then he needs to go because he's just wasting two to four years of Italian national team football. If this is the square peg round hole debate that he's going to continue having on the pitch, then he needs to go. If he, again, I support him on every other aspect of what he's doing, everything he's saying, I love it. I agree with it. I think it's the right thing for Italian football, but he needs to get the results and he needs Italy to start believing in themselves again. Um, and, and before this becomes a mental block. And, and I think... That that's where I'm at. So I'm kind of on the fence. I don't want to sack him, but I do think that he needs to show that he's the right man to, you know, to do what he once did himself, reinvent himself. You know, when he first came on and took over Italy after the historic, dreadful uh, Ventura era, where he came in and opened up the windows and changed everything around and started building around these young players, changed Italy's identity. They went unbeaten for, what was it, two and a half years, 36 games, you know, mm. stuff like that. That's what he needs to do. Uh, to do that again, but but challenge himself this time. And I don't mean change the identity. I do think Italy should continue down this path of playing a progressive, modern passing game. I just don't. I just think they need to have more dynamic players in the box, and that won't happen unless he changes to a three-five-two. I think it's inevitable. And never ever playing Jorginho and Verratti together again. I'm sorry, but that's been read to death. Those yeah. two just never again. Yeah, no, I think I think absolutely that that's that's that would be my my main point. Um, I, I think that he has been listen. One of the reasons why Italy didn't qualify for the for the for the World Cup is he retained too much of his faith in the older Euro players, uh, and still now, even after that, he's still some of the older Euro players. And he, and he specifically said even after the England game that they still have a part to play. He's still retaining too much faith in the in the old he's Euro doing players. what Lippi did again in 2010 he's he's making every single mistake that every italian national team coach has made throughout history when they've won something and i don't understand why i don't understand this like you know sometimes it's not because they're too old although i think it is the case in some of these players that they're on the slide i think it is like you said it's because you know winning teams do get found out and that's why you have to change. That's why Pep Guardiola exactly. 
changes and tweaks his his systems oh, and his almost too and his, much and his, and his pat yeah yeah <laughs> he twe- he tweaks his patterns of play and his and his little movements every year because you know they get found you get found out after a while it's actually one of the reasons why whether you love him or hate him Luciano Moggi used to also say this is why I I I you know after every two or three years I, I move players on and because you create that also the hunger as well but you know, you, you, it's the opposition, you know, you can't, you don't find them out. So I think maybe there is a case that is maybe the case, certainly with the midfield. Um, but I think Jorginho definitely, yeah, he was really bad uh, against against England. Really, really bad. Um, I think um, Verratti, I don't know what the hell has happened to Verratti. Um, it could just be a bad run of form. Maybe he's not full match fitness because he hasn't been good for PSG recently. He even got booed and there's even been caught talk that he might even leave PSG, which seems un- has always been unthinkable because he's basically been El Khalifi's slave, basically. <laughs> like You're not allowed to leave ever, <laughs> you know, in the last few years. Even that, he's even talking of him possibly leaving um, PSG. Um, so I don't know what happened to Verratti against England, but Jorginho was terrible. And I think, yeah, Jorginho has to move has to move on now um no i still have him in the squad what i my, my issue isn't look i mean if we uh, but it's you have it, so many great central midfielders Nimmer, yeah that, but that, i mean that, I'd still you know, it's keep different him in, in other squad. positions it's different no, but in other look if, if you look he's he's playing at the highest level still um he's going to win i think he's going to win the premier league with arsenal uh which will be his first title uh epl title and and if i'm if i'm and a funny stat Apparently, Mario Balotelli is the only Italian who's won the Premier League as a player, which is insane. And and if Jorginho were to win it, Cudicini, Cudicini would have no, won Cudicini it with, didn't with Chelsea. Win it. I double Chelsea. checked; he didn't win it. I, he I must checked have won on. it, surely. No, he, he was did, backup he, goalkeeper in Mourinho's first season. He must have won it, unless mm. unless it, the, 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 unless it's the um, because you had to get ten appearances. Yeah, I to, think that's to, what it was to, to win. But he was definitely yeah, uh, that's what it was because I, I checked his uh, tr- like page and and there was. No, he didn't win it. But regardless, um, he he um, Balotelli is the only one um, that has a winner's medal. But Jorginho uh, could win it. Could win it. And I think Arsenal win win it. Will win it. And I think he'll be important there. So it just goes to show that there is a player there and you can still use him. I just don't want to see him together with Verratti either or either Jorginho or Verratti. But both of them together is boring. Um, I think Barella, of course. Uh, Fratesi is someone I want to see more involved. I think Pellegrini is a good player. I think Piscina offers something. Tonali for sure. Again, there's there's so many players that that in the central midfield that I don't have. You know, I think Italy are fine there. Do you know what I, I think just... the biggest issue is of all that links into the old Europeans? Mancini needs to stop playing out of form players. This is exactly mm. the reason mm. why Italy failed to beat Macedonia because he was playing players that were clearly out of form, but he was playing them just because. You know, name. He believed well names, but because he believed this is my strongest eleven. You know, this is the this is this is Italy's best team when everyone is in form. The problem is that so many of those players at the time of when they played Macedonia were out of form. They were or they were exhausted, and the same was the same thing with this England game. I mean, we knew going to this England game, we we said it. You know, we'll both both of us said, look, we'll we'll take a draw because so many of the Italy players were out of form. Uh, and that includes players that didn't even start. So it was a difficult. It was difficult going into that England game. But at the same time, you know, Mancini in that England game was playing players horribly out of form or horribly just just exhausted. Uh, and you know, when you've got so many top in in the centre of midfield, when you've got so many great centre midfielders to choose from, you 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 can afford to just play the players who are be- who are best in form. 
You don't have to play out-of-form players when you've got so many options to choose from. I can understand it in other areas like the set, like striker position or or the centre of defence where you don't really have many options and, and it's and it's kind of like where you're kind of forced to play who you've got. But when you've got so many, you just, you've just got an abundance of excellent centre midfielders. Play the players that are in form. Don't play, you know, even Verratti, who, who, who you know, you, everybody knows, I, what, uh, you know, I love the player in the last 10 years. He's been in really bad form in, in 2023. So just drop him for now. Bring him back when he's back in form, you know? Um, no, I'm the same way. I'm the same. I'm agree with you 100%. I think you should, <clears throat> you have to play the players who are in form and, and you also have to keep, because the thing is when, when you've been found out, you're trying the same thing over and over again. You're playing Verratti Jorginho. You have no movement in midfield. You're looking static and they're in bad form. Well, it kind of becomes its own self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you're breaking the players even more mentally mm. when you do that. So, no, look, I, I think it's, um, I, I think that the personnel is there. Um, I just, I'm thinking minor tweaks, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also the injuries as well. We, we actually yeah. have got a lot of injuries at the moment. Um, and, you know. But the central defence is something I wanted to talk about. That is a problem. That is a problem. Uh, there is a she needs through. to leave. Acerbi needs to be leave. Um, stop. I don't want to see Rafael Toloi ever again mm-hmm. uh, in an Italy shirt. Uh, I want okay. Bastoni was injured. I want to see Casale integrated. Okay, into well this that, team. that brings me on nicely. Which players should go and who should be promoted in their place in this squad moving forward? When they do, when where we, when we pick our next Italy squad for the well the Nations League, but more more so the the qualifiers. Who do we from the from those that were in this squad or in general? Who do who do we not want to see again? Who needs to be basically moved on now? Toloi. I don't want to see Toloi ever again. He's not good enough. He simply isn't good enough. The fact that this man has a Euro Euro 2 2022 winner's medal is just unbelievable. He was the worst player on that squad. um, And he shouldn't be a part of this team. He wasn't good enough then, and he certainly isn't good enough now. Um, So he needs to move. I think Bastoni needs to be reintegrated uh, as soon as possible when he's fit, fit, and he will be. Um, Acerbi, look, I think he's doing a great season with Inter, but still, he's way too old. Bonucci, I have no idea what, like, yeah. uh, someone needs to explain that one to me. Um, I don't get it at all. Um, and so, yeah, I, I want to see him start to move in players, like young, to start to reintegrate younger who players. Who do you I, play at centre-back then? Who, who, who's your first choice centre-back? Both both in the back two, if Mancini continues with that, or in the back three? Who would you, who would you play as your back three or back I two? I would play... I would play uh, Bastoni to, as a left centre back, regardless of if it's a back four or a back three, mm-hmm. like th- that's his position. Yeah, agreed. agreed. That is just yeah. without a doubt. To the right, whether it's a right wing back or a right full back, that's Di Lorenzo. Left, whether it's left wing back or left back, it's either Udoji, Spinazzola, Di Marco. Have whichever you want, depending on you know, because I think you've got options there. So, so the question really comes down to the right centre back. Um, no, I'm the centre centre back. Who's the centre centre back? If you're playing, well, I mean, if three. you're playing a back four, if you're playing a back four, I mean, who who do you play there? Yeah, that's I the mean, problem. That's, I haven't got a clue. I haven't no, got a clue. No, the, the, it gets trickier there. Yeah, but I mean, I'd rather play. I in in a back in a back three. I'd probably I'd, I'd be open to actually giving Scalvini to the, to the chance to the right centre back and having Romagnoli as your centre centre back in a back oh, three, for example. That would get murdered. Romagnoli. The lack of pace. You've got the three slowest centre-backs in the world all playing together. You get murdered. No, 
you get murdered. Well, well, what are you What are you going to do? Are you going to well, take? I don't what's know. His name? No, we but the take... thing is, yeah, but again, this is international football. Unless you're going to ask, what's his name, the Olympic sprint champion for Italy to to start playing football, you're going to have slow, slow centre backs. And you know, you could also, if you wanted to, I think play Di Lorenzo as a right centre back. Uh, and then play, you know, Dan. Yeah, right. that's what I would do. Di, L- Di yeah. Lorenzo has to play right centre back. I don't know who you then play as right wing back, though. You can have <laughs> Darmian there. That's fine. You could have someone like that there, yeah. or, or you can even move Spinazzola to the right because he's played there at times. Possibly, as well. yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'm what I mean is that you you need to they need to start getting into this this three five two as soon as possible, and because when and and you know you've got options there. I really think you do have options there. I think you know someone like Romagnoli. People may laugh at it as much as they want, but just go look at what he's done. Look at how he's playing. I, you know, it's, he's good enough. I mean, if even if you play a back three, you could play a Cherby in the middle just for now. I mean, you said next call up, um, yeah. but I mean, moving on, no, it's not going to work. I like Alessandro Bongiorno. I remember we had a, quest- a question on our Q and A pod for patrons a few weeks ago about young, you know, under twenty one central defenders in the Serie A, and he was one of my picks. I, I think that's a really interesting player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Scalvini, uh, you know, Scalvini, Bongiorno, Bastoni, Di Lorenzo, Casale, Romagnoli, these are the guys Italy need to move build around for the future, like not the immediate future, but moving on, because age. Acerbi's not getting any younger. Bonucci's finished. Um, you know, Toloi, same thing there. I'm not convinced by any of them, with the exception of Bastoni. I have to be honest. I think there's a there's a total crisis there uh, at centre back, uh, and there's a total lack of pace as well, um, which is which is a huge huge worry. Um, I mean, if if the multi players are outpacing them, then then we are in trouble. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, midfield. Um, uh, well, actually, no. Talking about the defence first of all, about who I'd bring in. Um, I, I think that. Emerson actually played well against Malta, but you know, again, that's a, that's a, that's a decision I can't understand from Mancini in terms of you know you're trying to build. I mean, we've got so many great young yeah, that, that left, makes left, no sense to so me. many great young left backs and left yeah, wing backs, and Parisi, Adorji, one of those two, one of those two. Parisi, Adorji, Di Marco, yeah. uh, Spinazzola. I mean, again, in Italy are spoilt for choice there. Yeah. I, w- um, I want to see one of Parisi or Dodgy just a regular in the squad all the time now. Going, I want forward. both of them in the squad all the time, especially Dodgy. What are we talking about here? This well, yeah, Udoji. I know, but the problem is you've got Di Marco, you've got you've got Spinazzola. I mean, you can't call all four of them up, you know. Well, you can if you play Spinazzola to the right where he has played before. Like you know, I, I think I, for me, I, I choose the best players and adapt accordingly. Yeah. I mean, the midfield, uh, you know, Jorginho, I, I think I'd move him on now. And I'm, again, someone that's been his biggest fan. Uh, I think you have to move him on. Uh, one of Jorginho and Verratti, you know, Verratti, I still believe, and I think he's just going for a bad, bad period. Um, Cristanti, you know, I just don't, again, I, I don't uh, think he's, I just don't think he's to the level required. And it's, again, it's got so many great centre midfielders, yet they call up Cristanti. It's just, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Uh, it, that it is really bizarre. For me, Cristanti is nowhere near good enough for Italy. Yeah. With all due respect, there's no, no, no way. Yeah, Pessina, is questionable, but you know I think he does have value because he brings. He's a goal scorer in midfield who gets in the box, and I think that's useful. I think that's a useful. I think quality Locatelli and him have very the role they have in the Italian national team is very similar because they're very dynamic midfielders. Um, mm. I wouldn't play them together. I would play either one of them, and, and there I always prefer Locatelli over Pessina. 
always. Mm. But I do think he has a, he he has some traits that warrants a call up at least. Well, on form, Locatelli should have been called up because he's been playing Without very very well for for, for Juventus recently. Without a doubt. Um, Without and a doubt. you know, so like I said, I want Mancini to be picking the players that are in form. Uh, Barella, I, I really don't know whether I should start to be worried now about Barella because you know I thought he was coming back this season. Um, but he but had then, he scored then, five goals by November, wasn't it? October, yeah, November. Yeah, exactly. I thought he was yeah. coming back, but then I look at him now and he looks exhausted again. Against England, yeah. he was absolutely out on his feet. I mean, this guy's twenty six years old. He shouldn't be like you know. He, he, I don't. I don't understand what's going on there mm-hmm. with Barella. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what's happening with him. It, it's starting to concern me a little bit now. Me too, because it's the same for Inter. There is yeah. there is a cause for concern. Mm. And in attack, I mean, oh, there's so many. I mean, Chiesa, so many. Assuming Chiesa, assuming we can get, I mean, look, again, it's a concern with Chiesa, this chronic knee problem he has, this tendonitis. He's going to, to a specialist to have a look at it. That is a worry. I mean, you know, we need him. We need Chiesa badly. Um, you know, I want him on one wing and I want Nyonto on the other. And if we have Italy, if you're talking about a 4 3 3, you know, regardless of who plays in the middle, if you have Chiesa on one side and Nyonso on, the, on yeah. the other side on a wing, I mean, that is that's that creates fantastic. havoc. That's fanta- yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, in an ideal world, you know, that's what I would have. And uh, Politano, I was really impressed. I uh, uh, even against England, I thought he did well. You know, with, I would have Raspadori and Politano in the squad. You know, so you've got Chiesa, you've got Nyonso, you've got Raspadori and Politano. You know, these are players that are dangerous, dangerous players. Obviously, you still have the problem in the centre. Retigi started well. We will see how he how he does. Um, you know, I think there is there is quality there. There is goals. It just needs to all kind of come together. For me, uh, Italy's forwards, there are four players that they need to build around. Scamacca, Raspadori, Chiesa, Nionto. Those are the four. Everyone else around that, you, you, you build around those four. Those are the players you build around. And you, you, you get, you know, you can put in a Retegui if he plays next to whoever. Scamacca, Chiesa, I don't care. But these four are the ones that I want Italy to build around. Yeah, um, and and Berardi, I think, move him on. And no, he doesn't. I, he, do, he doesn't. Um, the problem with him is he doesn't beat his man. He doesn't take on his man. He doesn't dribble past. He's like a bit like Kulusevski. I would compare yeah. him very much to Kulusevski. He's no, Kulusevski can beat his man. This no. guy can't. He, it's, mm. it's, 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 he doesn't know how to beat his man. I don't think either can, to be honest. No, Grifo as well. Grifo. Oh. Grifo as well. I mean, he's not Ooh. not at this level. He's not at the level. Pafundi's too young. He's not barely playing for Udinese right now. So I don't understand this notion. Like, I don't get. Well, again, it. that's Mancini looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, which is. I get. Which yeah. I again, I think that's right. But uh, that's I think... him trying to change the culture of, it, yeah. of, it, of Italian football. And, mm. But um, yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, let's move on from from that. But I want to talk about the Italy kit before we before we finish <laughs> off on on. Want to have a little whinge fest on that? Did you? <laughs> well. I think the Italy kit is it's the worst Italy kit in in the history of the Italy national team. I think Italy just 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 celebrated their 125th anniversary. Yeah. Is that right? The FIGC. So yeah. in 125 years, and this is the worst Italy kit ever. It's 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 disgusting. <laughs> it's absolutely disgusting. Whoever designed this should get sacked. I mean, the design the design I hate. Full stop. The the Adidas design just does not look like a national team kit. It looks more like training gear. Training gear. Yeah, yeah. that's what it looks from close. It really does look like training gear. Yeah, yeah. That's it my biggest look, critique. It doesn't look it. like grand and and you know, like the, the form. You like I'm not saying that it, national team kit should be like really formal, but you know, like just the feeling doesn't feel like a national team kit. The color is not Italy at all. It's it's Greece or, or Japan color. It actually Dark. looks like a lot of few people have been joking. It actually looks like my local team, Bedford Town, 
if you look at the look at the Bedford Towns kit, it looks like Bedford Towns kit because they've actually got Adidas as a sponsor as well. I mean, it's not the Azuri, it's not the Azuri blue, it's not the Azuri blue. Actually, players, people that have played Pro Evolution soccer, they used to be the the, the blue custom Pro Evolution <laughs> team. That's what it looks like, and the way Italy played against England, they they played they played like the Pro Evolution custom team as well. And you know, so I mean, this this Italy kit, you know, I mean. They're, they're, we're blessed with such a beautiful yeah. azuri blue, the beautiful green, white, and red flag to use on the shirt. I mean, it's such a gift. Yet they they do they they do this. I mean, how do you destroy something beautiful? It's like a beautiful woman that then gets so much work done that she destroys her face. How, how do Christ. how do you how do you you know how <laughs> that, that, that's what I would compare it to? You've got a beautiful woman. She's so naturally beautiful, yet she keeps getting work done, plastic surgery, all this stuff done, and she ends up becoming ugly. You know, this is what has happened to the Italy kit. They, I mean, how can you destroy the Italy kit? Oh, it's, my God. It's so naturally beautiful. The colour is so naturally beautiful. Yeah, no, it's easy colours to work with. You've got red, white, and green, and then you've got the classic blue um, that they've always worked with, the Azzurri. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the badge as well. I mean, you always go on about calling Deservi Bancarella Pep, you, you call him. But <laughs> the badge, the badge looks like a badge you get. Nah, a red, I don't have a problem with the badge. badge looks I think like it's a, cool. The badge right. looks cheap. It looks like the badge when yeah. you know when, when you get a replica Serie A shirt or an yeah. Italy shirt, replica Italy shirt from the beach in like in southern Italy. They have those really cheap badges. That's mm. what it looks like. It looks like that printed badge. Yeah, the ironed on. Yeah, yeah. ironed on. Yeah, yes. and you know, so I mean, and I think the white away kit, which we haven't we haven't seen yet, that is that's even worse. Actually, it's not. It's not a proper clean white. You know, the no. colour should be clean, really clean. No, I agree. Blue, I, I, clean I'm, I'm more for the minimalism as well. I think there's too much. It's too much. There's too much this and that and there and this. And, no, I don't like it at all um, either. So, yeah. I mean, I hope they... I don't know how long the contract's for, but I hope at least they, they get rid of this straight away and just design a new kit, get a proper blue in because... It's horrible. And, and for me, you know, it doesn't inspire the Italy players. You know, you should be inspired when you put on that shirt. Well, you know, you're putting on a Bedford Town shirt or a Japan shirt. No, no disrespect to those, to those teams. But, you know, yeah. it's not the Italy shirt. It doesn't look like Italy. You know, if you saw that on TV without look, knowing who the players were, you would think it's Japan or Greece that were playing. You wouldn't think it's Italy. Yeah. Okay, right. Let, let's move on. Um, just just quickly, other winners and losers from the break. Um, the national anthem you spoke you spoke about, didn't you? On the Jesus, <laughs> what was going on there? I mean, the f- it was such a cluster f of a disaster. First, you have that poor lady who can't hear her own voice, and so she's not in sync with the music, and she's trying to catch up while singing God Save the King. And it just, it was horrible. It wasn't her fault. It was a technical glitch or what a problem. And she couldn't hear herself. And anyone who's sung knows that when you don't have any, you can't hear yourself. Well, what are you going to do? You can't hear, you can't hear what's going on. So I don't blame her for that. That that happens. It's it's unfortunate. Uh, I think the people running the, te- te- the tech should be apologetic like hell for that because they're the ones who caused it because they made her they made her look stupid as well um but second of but but the but the italy national anthem what in god's name was that i thought it was a parody i lit i literally thought it was somebody someone was, was doing like it was some sort of a like what type of music sasha baron cohen had like infiltrated it and it was like it was what type of music do you call that, what 
What type uh, of music? It's do you EDM. Call that? It's electric. It's EDM. They they turned the Italian national anthem into an EDM. I think it was Gigi. Da, wasn't it Gigi D'Alessio? What's, what's his Gigi name? Gigi D'Alessio. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like why? Rapper. It's like France getting Sebastian. What's his name? Um, the 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 EDM DJ who solved racism famously after George <laughs> Floyd died um, and said, "Shout out to <laughs> remember that the cringiest yeah, yeah, yeah. moment." Like if we're talking top hundred, I know who you mean. He was the guy that was at the World Cup. Um, yeah, top yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. cringiest moment in human history. That is among the top five of the last fifty years. With um, uh, when when George Floyd had died and he's he's standing it's it's standing on a rooftop, um, in New York. And he's playing Bob oh, Sinclair. Was it? Him? No, 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 no. Um, Sebastian. <clears throat> sorry, was it? Uh, no, what's Sebastian. No, so I can't remember what his name, but he's really, really famous, yeah. and he does EDM. Uh, and he goes, um, uh, <laughs> "This goes out." <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Uh, shout out to George Floyd. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so cringe. Um, <laughs> David Guetta, thank you. Not so oh, yeah, David yeah, Guetta, yeah. Of course, David yeah. Guetta, sorry, yeah. It is, I mean, if Google David Guetta, George Floyd, and yeah. try not to cringe when you see it. That's how far, how far do you get before cringing to the point where you want to crawl out of your skin? That's the challenge. I got about two, I get about three and a half seconds in before I literally have to stop it, turn it off because I can't do it. Um, but yeah, it literally sounded like David, it was like, it was like, I don't understand the idea. What, what were you thinking? You remember when the Queen died and one of the Linekers at the Lineker bar, they had that weird tribute to her <laughs> uh, in Ibiza, one of their bars with a Ibiza bunch of... Ibiza rocks, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like where they had a bunch of like young hot girls in dressed like, you know, British... Sol- like these... The, what do you call them? These soldiers with the, with the, with the black uh, furry... You know, yeah, like, yeah, the, the, the British soldiers. Yeah, they're you know what I mean. Yeah, Which one's yeah. the red? Yeah, well, yeah. they had them in the sexy outfits, yeah. um, and and marching and singing, you know, singing "God Save the Queen" when everyone was like off their faces at stupid mm. o'clock in the morning. Like it was so <laughs> cringe. It was so so cringe. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Don't do that. The national anthems are the national anthems. You don't need a remix <laughs> by anyone. And it just, it looked so bizarre. If you look at the faces of everyone from Italy to England, they didn't know what to do with themselves. They, they really looked like, what is going on? It was such a cluster F. And it was, you know, it was, it was funny, but please don't do that again. Mm. Ever. Yeah, please. again. <laughs> please don't abuse, do that abuse, ever again. I know. I know. <laughs> destroy, destroying their kit and now destroying a, one of the most beautiful national anthems as well. I mean... Well done. Oh. Um, Inter are losers as well, aren't they, Nima? Um, how many more injuries? Well, Barilla, yeah, De Frey, uh, I don't know uh, what happened there, but the, he was called up because of some viral infection because apparently some somebody people ate a chicken that wasn't cooked enough for some weird thing. And, and, and then he was called, he was sent back again because of an injury or whatever. It was. I can't, the whole thing was weird. It really was like... Barella's just exhausted, right? Yeah, Barella's exhausted. Jekyll, what happened was that he didn't play against Iceland yeah. because of a back injury. Uh, the the Bosnian national team coach said as much. Um, and, of course, Bastoni and Di Marco already injured. Um, so that was, that was not a good thing. But one thing that was good is Romelu Lukaku for Inter scoring a hat-trick against Sweden. Um, and, you know, if you look at it, he, he doesn't, he, you know, 
he gets the when he gets the service he needs, he can still score goals. Um, and and he got the service, he really did. But he looked fresh against Sweden. Now, having said that, Sweden are a dreadful side defensively. Um, they really, really are. Sweden are an awful national team right now. Um, but but he did look very fresh. He looked fresh. He looked up for it. He looked happy, and he looked hungry. He looked really, really hungry. He didn't look heavy like he used, like he all, like he's done all season at Inter, or well, since leaving Inter two years ago. He didn't look heavy. He looked happy. He looked relaxed. He looked hungry, and that's good for Inter because Inter need him firing on all cylinders if they're going to, to um, to do anything of note these part this this next month and a half until the season ends, and I think that is a good thing. I think he needed minutes. Uh, and the fact that he scored a hat-trick will only do his confidence a world of good. Yeah, sure. And Rasmus Hoyland as well. Five yeah. goals. Five goals in two games. Although they yeah. lost one of them. They, they, Denmark lost to Kazakhstan. 3-2, uh, having been 2-0 up with like 15 minutes to go. Okay, yeah. away from international football, um, Antonio Conte uh, sacked. Well, I mean, we knew it was going to happen on Sunday evening. Um, his assistant, Stelloni, surprisingly, um, Stellini. 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 Stellini, not Roberto Stellani. Uh, Christian no, Stellini. I always mix him up with it. I know, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's like in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Christian Stellini is a, a caretaker to the end of the season. So Conte sat, listen, we've, we've talked Conte to death about, you know, Tottenham and, and you know, uh, the job he's done and Tottenham's decision and how they're, they're not a serious club and all that. Let's just talk about where Conte goes next. Um, I'm... I'm sure that he will return to Italy as much for family reasons. Um, you know, he's had a tough year, Conte, um, with his health. He had the operation. Also, he's lost a few close friends as well. Um, and I think he wants to be back in Italy, back with his, his family. So I do believe he, he will return to, to Italy. The question is, you know, where does he go? Uh, I think that there's, in terms of, positions that could be available at big clubs that I don't want to say can afford Conte. We'll come to that because I'm not sure they can afford him unless he, he asks, he, unless he accepts less uh, than, than he's been paid up until now in his career. Um, but in terms of just windows for him, you've got Inter because Inzaghi could leave, Simone Inzaghi could leave. You've got Milan. If Milan don't get top four, which is possible, um, Stefano Pioli, his job could, could be you know on the line. Could be on the line anyway, maybe. Who knows? Juventus, I mean, Max Allegri, uh, again, it depends how the season ends for, for, for Juventus uh, and also the situation with the legal situation and, and the board and everything. Uh, and then Roma as well with, with, with Jose Mourinho. Um, his future is also in doubt. So, I mean, those are the four clubs, aren't they, Nima? I don't think we can... We can there's, there's no other club other than those four. So, I mean, what, where do you see him going? I think club level, those are the jobs I do see, unless PSG want him. Um, you know, PSG, Milan, Roma, those are the clubs. I don't think Real Madrid will go anywhere near him. Um, I don't think Atletico Madrid want anything to do with him. Um, Inter and Juve, I don't, they just don't want that drama. Um, so I think for me, it's either PSG, Milan or Roma, um, because I think Milan with purely... I think Jerry Cardinal is going to get suckered into that sickness that all new football club owners do, where the urge to win now becomes too big. 
Um, whether or not that's a mistake, like it did with Suning and Inter, costing them pretty much, well, the mess that we've seen since they won the Scudetto financially. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I do think that Milan, to me, I, uh, you know, I, and, and also Conte would love that challenge, you know, to become the first player, first coach to win a Scudetto with all three. Um, that's something that he would love to do. And basically what Ibrahimovic did as a player, he wants to do as a coach. And they're very similar as characters, those two, uh, like that. So I, I think Milan or Ro- and Roma would be uh, incredible as well. But then again, Roma don't have the money to spend, and he would like no, regardless of where he goes. Do any he goes of them have the money though? I yeah, mean, he's well, that's the thing. Million. Unless he goes to PSG, unless he goes to PSG, this yeah. is what's this is. His he's on fifteen reality. million. He was on fifteen. Million yeah, he's not going to get right? anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's just not going to happen. It's as simple as that. No one's going to pay him anything like that. He might get six, seven, eight net, something like that. But he's not going to get anything like that. He needs to understand that neither he's not at that level. The jobs that pay that are not interested in him because of his antics, um, good or right or wrong. People don't want that drama. Nobody wants to pay anyone fifteen million a year and then have abuse hurled at them at the drop of a dime. It's just that's just how it works. Mm. Um, as for whether or not it's right or wrong is a different thing. But Conte, you know, it's not the first time. You know, you can't say that it's the first time that yeah, this has happened. This happens time and time and time and time again, where he just throws people into the bus, under the bus, in a public way. He doesn't just throw them under the bus. He throws them under the bus, then sits on the bus and drives over them back and forth until they are a spot on the asphalt. Um, there's, there's criticizing your players, there's criticizing your club, and then there's going nuclear. Conte goes Chernobyl every single time when he's unhappy and nobody wants that nobody wants that so i think he needs to understand that from here on out he's not gonna you know i think I, I can think, i just throw something in that yeah i honestly italy i wouldn't i want him at italy if i could choose i'd give this italy squad to antonio conte i think italy will win the world cup with antonio conte in charge of this squad that's how confident i am yeah, but then you get the same problem that that that, that so you always get with Conte you know, in a tournament when they're playing every three days. No, we know no. what's going to happen, Nima, because it's happened his no. whole career. After three, it'll be it'll be okay for the first game of the tournament. The second game of the tournament, they'll be flat, and the third game of the tournament, they'll be flat. Uh, you know, so this is the problem that we've had with Conte uh, his whole career, unfortunately, and that's why he's always done bad in cups. Um, so, yeah, I, I think. Listen, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go back to. To, to 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 Italy um, for Conte, but I, I think that the, the options for him, yeah, I mean, there isn't. I don't know if there's that many options for him. If I was Conte, I would take a year out. I think he needs to refresh. I think he looked very very tired um, at the end. He's obviously had a tough year uh, on and off the pitch. Um, I, I think he should have a year out um, and recharge, and then be ready to go. I mean, I guess he's going to get a little bit of time off now, seeing as he's he hasn't finished the season with Tottenham. Um, but I just think he looks exhausted. And that's maybe why he hasn't shown his best this season. But I do think that's probably it for his career in England. I'm not sure whether he'll ever coach in, in England again after this. Yeah. No, I think his coaching career in England is over. That's for damn mm. sure. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to go near him uh, after this. But mm. we'll see. I don't think he's finished at the top level, but I do think he needs to understand that you can't... You can't you need to you can't go thermonuclear every single time 
yeah. And he does do that. Even though he's right, I think he was right on sp- uh, what happened at Spurs. I think everything he said at that press conference is correct. Uh, and I think Spurs did the wrong thing. And I think it just goes to show the culture of that club. Uh, so I don't hold that against him. But it's just, it's be- it's a pattern. It's not just one time. It's over and over and over again. Mm, yeah. Okay. Talking about over and over and over again, Zlatan versus the Swedish media. Um, Nima, can you just give us a little bit? I want you just to take this away. Let's make this your thing. Just tell us what exactly happened with this, this big so, beef. Well, it's not even a beef. What happened is that he was called up to the national team and he had a press conference for the first time in, in, in a year or two, two years. And he was at a press conference and he was getting annoyed. He was getting visibly annoyed by two journalists in particular. Um, one from Aftonbladet and one from TV4, Football's Canale, their football site, because um, they were after, they were fishing for controversy and they were fishing for for comments and they were fishing for him to say things and do things so they could build something around it. I mean, the question preceding the particular issue I want to talk about was when they asked him who the, who he thinks is going to win the Swedish league. Now, that may on, on face value seem like a harmless question, but when you take into account that he owns 49% of Hammarby and that he has a history with Malmö FF and the statue that they built that they put outside there and and their fans burnt it down and sabotaged it and vandalized it and you know the history he has with Malmö FF of being treated like absolute dirt when he was a child you know read the book and how loyal he's been to them from his perspective and how they've pissed in his face as he calls it um, after that, and that he's been too kind to them, and so on. So obviously, that they, they asked that question just because they wanted to stoke up some controversies. He was already annoyed when that question about Qatar was asked, and he, they basically asked him, "How did you experience Qatar being there for the World Cup final?" And he replied, "Say it was fantastic. It was as brilliant as it gets. I was there for two days with the family." I mean, the organization, ten points. The experience, ten points. The match. 10 points, crowd, 10 points, the food, 10 points, the journey over, 10 points, everything was 10 points. And then he looked at the journalist smirking and saying, what, Would you, is that not the answer you wanted, wanted me to give you? Uh, and then the, the journalist says, no, I mean, there's been talk of human rights abuses and this stuff, and he says, 10 points. And then he did speak with with Swedish media before, uh, afterwards, I think it was before or after, um, with, with two, with, with Swedish national TV, like the Swedish version of the BBC, where he was asked about Qatar and, he, and they asked him about Qatar as a country. And he said, look, Qatar as a country, I think is, it is a system that works. Are there any drugs? No. Is there crime? No. Is there crime in Sweden? Yes, very much. Are there drugs? Yes. Qatar's system works. The Swedish system, it works, but it, but if it works 100%, I don't know. And then he goes on and talks about, you're asking me about politics, and I don't want to talk about politics, which I think is too late because he's fallen into the trap already there. And that's precisely the point I wanted to make. He... What they do in Sweden is what they do in every other country in the West, and that is to politicize non-political contexts and to start demanding answers from celebrities and sports stars and scrutinize them at a level that they do not do their own own politicians. I mean, it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. Slatan Ibrahimovic is a footballer. He's not a politician. He's not in charge of Swedish foreign policy. 
He's not in charge of Sweden selling weapons for billions of euros and pounds to Qatar and Saudi and so on and so forth, or not just that, everywhere in the world, to every country in the world. Anyone who has a has a functioning credit card and isn't sanctioned by the United States gets to buy weapons from Sweden, right? So it's it's it you know that that is weird. Why are you asking Zlatan Ibrahimovic questions about human rights in Qatar? He's not responsible for that. If if you want to do that, if you want to hold people to account for human rights violations, first of all, don't just ask, don't just whinge about Qatar. There's lots of there's lots of countries that you are allied with, the government is allied with that doesn't give a shit about human rights. Second of all, that's a question you should be asking the pu- public elected officials, not sports stars. I mean, we're, we get back to this over and over again. I don't care what Harry Kane and Harry Maguire and Zlatan Ibrahimovic feel about any anything political. I don't care. That's not their job. They're not famous for that. You know, they're not. That's not what they are famous for. That's not their primary function. Their primary function is to play football. If they want to take a stand for something, which Zlatan Ibrahimovic has done on many occasions on his own accord, whether it was for the UN World Food Program to stop hunger for children, whether it was you know when he when he took a stand for when gay footballers have come out. Whatever, that's on him. That's his choice to do that. But when you're trying to shove down a narrative some, down someone's th- throat, great. Th- then you're going to get this answer from people like him because he's not going to. He's not your monkey. He's not going to dance after your tune. He has his political opinion. If he wants to share it, he'll share it. Personally, I'm not. I I don't care what celebrities feel about complex political issues because I don't think they're the right person people to ask. And I think no one embodies this more about how infuriating it gets than U2's Bono. Who cares? Can you think of a more annoying human being in the last 40 years who Bono. has opinion? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a more infuriating, pointless, ridiculous character, caricature of himself than that man. I don't mm. care. I mean, I liked the music that they did. And I get I what he, you know. Well, I did, in the early stuff especially. But... <laughs> They're, they're decent musicians, and if you have if you have something you want to say, then you know you can you know you can put it in your music, whatever. But this notion of them trying, you know, like I'm one hundred percent behind Ricky Gervais on the last uh, monologue he did at the Golden Globes when he spoke about you're in no position to lecture the public on anything. If ISIS mm. had a streaming service, you'll call your agent. Like that's exactly where the. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I agree one hundred percent with that, and and it's it's exhausting to listen to, and especially when. The mainstream media in in all countries tries to shove a narrative down people's throats. I mean, he's not your monkey, and I'd probably react the same way he did if somebody tried to say that. It's like, yeah, ten points. What do you what, what's your what do you want to say? What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Like, get away from me! And it, and it just continues all on and on and on and on and on like this, and it's exhausting to listen to. It really is, and that's the funny thing because I got to hand it to Zlatan. God bless him. He pissed off the right people. God, I love how he pissed off the he pissed off the exact right group of annoying self-righteous douchebags, Swedish douchebags. And it was hilarious to watch. The meltdown was oh, it was so funny. They were trying to outdo themselves about how outraged they were. There was so much pearl clutching going on. It was so funny. And I loved every second of it. So for that. For that reason alone, that he pissed off the, whole, the 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 exact right group of people, he's the badger of the week for me. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't argue with, with with any of that. You know my view on the on the, on the MSM. <laughs> uh, let's exhausting. Move on, let's move on to just before we finish with Bad Jam Prem face of the week. Messi to Inter. So and Spanish just to make clear, I don't agree with what he said. Mm. I don't agree with his take, but I'm just exhausted of this. Like we say in Sweden, you know, filter mosquitoes and swallow elephants. You have no problem with the go- your government doing all sorts of heinous shit, right? But then you hold sports stars to account. You hold this working class self-made kid, immigrant kid to a higher account than your public elected officials. What? Mm. Get out of here. That's the point. Just to no. clarify. No, I totally agree. Uh, Messi to Inter then. <laughs> Are we <laughs> from, here again? From, like, the ridi- <laughs> from the ridiculous to the sublime. Yeah, <laughs> from the ridiculous to the even more absurd. Um, and pay him with what? Monopoly money? Pizza Hut vouchers? I mean, what? Is Joaquin Correa basically going to be his uh, asado chef? Like, how are how you, you, Inter can't even afford a month of his wages? Like, what, what are we talking here? Simple as that, then, yeah. I mean, but yeah. I mean, we know that he's friends with Javier Zanetti. We know he's friends with Lautaro. You know, he gets along. He's Argentinian, and Inter have the Argentinian, you know, contingency. We know that Suning wanted to buy Inter before. Sorry, wanted to buy Messi before the whole, you know, disaster with COVID and 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 the financial meltdown that they've undergone since, and problems they've undergone since. Mm. Um, we all know that, right? But. That's not. Yeah, I think he will leave PSG, but I don't see where he goes from now on. I mean, I I think Saudi Arabia are all over that. To be honest, you've got both Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi in the same league. Are you kidding me? The word is that Messi does. He wants to stay in Europe. He wants to stay at a high level before the Copa America next year. Um, so, you know, there's obviously Barcelona. There's PSG. You know, do they give him a new contract or not? Um, Messi's not sure he wants to stay. You know, he's leaving his options open, you know, because there's obviously a lot of uncertainty at PSG. Who's the next manager going to be? I'm sure Gaultier will leave. What the transfer policy will be? Will Neymar stay or leave? Will Mbappe stay or leave? Messi as well. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty. Verratti, as we said earlier in the show, um, you know, PSG, will he sign a new contract there? Then obviously there's Barcelona, into Miami, and then Saudi Arabia. Uh, th- those are the, have been the concrete options so far. Inter would be amazing. <laughs> it would be absolutely amazing for Serie A, unless unless some kind of external sponsor comes in and just basically pays all the money. Um, it's not going to happen. Of course, it's not. No, it's because, not going to happen because, because of the, 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 the salary and with Inter's cost cutting, um, it wouldn't go down very well. I don't think with the Inter squad. Inter couldn't either. afford four million euros for Alan Maturo in January. Now they're going to pay Lionel Messi a stupid amount of money every month. I mean. Hmm. <laughs> Can we can we yeah. can we be serious, please? <laughs> like it's just. But I do think it's fun because every time he you know he is good friends with you know there's an Argentinian contingency. Lautaro and him are you know he they get along really well. Um, Javier Zanetti absolutely adores him. He adores them. Moratti absolutely adores him. Uh, he adores Moratti. So you know, and and we know that his dad you know moved their their finances to Italy to take advantage of the Creta Crescita. You know, so there is that link there, of course, but you know, yeah, more likely someone like Matteo Rettigi if it's going to be in Argentine, 
Yes. <laughs> An Argentine Italian. Okay, Baggio and Prem face of the week to finish off. Baggio? Oh, for me, it's... it's Retegi. Retegi, Zlatan for pissing off the right people and Lukaku hat-trick. Those, those are my three. Okay, Prem face. Have you got one? I've got one. <laughs> um... Tim Sherwood, you you go with that, but that that has to be like that is just amazing. Tim Sherwood is is oh, prolific, <laughs> prolific, <laughs> prolific. Um, so Tim Sherwood accused modern managers of brainwashing people with their terminology. Um, he 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 basically had a massive rant about the standards of modern management, modern coaching, and he he basically accused modern managers of of using buzzwords. Um, such as low blocks or mid blocks or high press to to try and baffle supporters. And he goes, listen, the game is exactly the same as it was way back in the day. The terminology has changed. You you are getting baffled by science, talking about half spaces, low blocks, mid blocks, nonsense, he told told TalkSport. It's all about counter-attacking, pressing, all this rubbish about press from the front. (laughs) This team does this. What no is one this Cockney dialect you're doing? <laughs> he was a centre forward. I was a midfield player. Now that is pushing from the front. The game is exactly the same as it was in the past. The terminology and the brainwashing, what is coming, what is coming in from these modern managers is just incredible at the moment. So, But basically what Tim Sherwood is saying is, how dare these foreigners come to our country <laughs> no, to, to, to take away our kick and rush and, and long ball and, and start no, no, using no. low blocks. It's not foreign managers. I don't even think it's that. I think it's basically, you know, it's it's like, how dare they pretend that things are any different today than they were 30, 40 years ago. I'm a boomer and I'm, I mean, he, it's, the, it's the most boomer rant in a very, very long time. It's, it's basically how dare they try and be smart. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's the professionalization of football that he can't deal with, because in his day, remember who was it? Was it Brian Robson who said that the problem before you used to go round a pub and have a few pints and fight it out? Like, like was it was it last season? What was it? I remember a quote about that. That mm-hmm. the problem at United was that they didn't get drunk enough and drunk together yeah, enough, yeah. or something like yeah. that. I mean, it's like sometimes you have to understand that the world has changed, and I'm not saying that it's better, but it's different. I'm not making a moral judgment. It has changed. The players have changed. Everything around it has changed. The, the science around it has changed. The preparation has changed. The the, the nutrition, the the, the 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 knowledge of of the human body, all of these things have changed and improved. You get you are getting baffled by science. No, Tim, you're stupid and don't understand these multisyllabic words, and so you're getting annoyed. That's what's happening here. You're having a proper it's astonishing Karen that, it's, moment. It's astonishing that Tim Sherwood continues to be a pundit. On, on no, it's on not. Board. It's really not. Well, Look kind of they've got. That, Look but that's what, they've that's got. what I mean. It sums it up. That, that's what some. It sums up the the, the state of the yeah, punditry in in, yeah. in in England. That 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 you know people like Tim Sherwood are, are, are get punditry jobs, and this is their level of analysis. Basically, I think it's hilarious that that sentence in Anola, like this, th- these two sentences are I, I can't get enough. I don't know how many times I've played this back and forth since this since I saw this. Listen, the game is exactly the same as it was way back in the day. The terminology has changed. You are getting baffled by science talking about half spaces, low blocks, mid blocks, nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Tim Sherwood, eh? Or Dim 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 Sherwood, as I call him. What? Dim what? Sherwood. Dim Sherwood. Yeah. <laughs> He's not very bright, but it's it's very very funny. But that is that that is that's what that's like a Hall of Fame prem face. That I don't like, know. This Hall of Fame is getting getting very well, very this, big now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's like it's as if there's like football has one Maradona and one Pele prim facery has like the equivalent of 10,000 Messi's every week. Like it's just, <laughs> this is brilliant. I, I love the, the, the Karen, the boomer Karen rant that he goes on is just fantastic. You are getting baffled by science. Mm. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> you are getting baffled by science. Yeah, using the it. word using the word lo- uh, low block and mid block as if so that's like that's a scientific discovery. That's a yeah. scientific word. Like he doesn't yeah. even know what he's talking about. Oh, it's so so, so they've, funny. They've just discovered that the the, the, the world is is round and, <laughs> exactly. and uh, it's a scientific, scientific a flat discovery. earther just discovered just saw a picture from the of the Earth from space and is like completely blown away. It's very it's so funny. I. I can't get enough of this rant. It's mm. genuinely one of the best rants I have ever heard. Now, I, God bless Talksport. Like it's an endless source of free entertainment. Mm. Yeah, I don't think he's a regular on Talksport. Actually, I think this was. Well, they should. They should he, give he, him he his own show. Yeah, he definitely, <laughs> does, he definitely deserves his own show. He, he and Jason Cundy and Joe Cole and Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville should just have like they should live in like a Big Brother house. And just one stupid, te- like just, just basically throw in, like they, they, they live there, right? And they've got this, this, you know, they've got cameras everywhere. And then every hour on a giant screen, the name of a topic sh- is shown, and Big they have Brother to debate pub. it for an hour. Yeah, they have to debate it for an hour. Mm. Like, Big <laughs> Brother you know pub. I mean? it, should, it should be a pub. Not, yes, not a, yes, yes, yeah. of course. Not a house, co- a pub. No, no, no. No, but you know what I mean? But it has to be just them in a pub, in a bar. And then every hour, uh, on the screen, a topic surfaces, and they and these guys have to break it down and solve it. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> David Guetta solving racism. <laughs> this is what I want. I want these four to just solve the world's problems. I would pay to see that. Now that is must see. I think Tim Sherwood. Oh, no, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Right. Okay. Uh, let's yeah. Let's leave it at that. Um, yeah, we'll be back on Tuesday for Q and A. Uh, we will have. Uh, call, mid- you know what I call? I call it big prem face. <laughs> that big prem. Yeah. yeah, that's what you need to have. Everyone would tune. It'll be the most watched TV show ever. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. Pitch it, maybe. Sorry. Yeah, Pitch yeah. I should. It. I should. I should. <laughs> yeah. So Tuesday Q and A. Thursday we'll have a midweek review show, and yeah. I haven't missed anything else, have I? No, no, no. You you always correct me at this stage. Yeah, I do, but I'm not. You actually got it right. And it's only available for patrons uh, the Tuesday and Thursday show uh, on patreon.com slash TIFP, $2.99 a month, XVAT. Monday show, always free on all platforms. Please do give us a five-star rating and and subscribe because it really helps uh, in, in the algorithm. Yeah, it sure does. Oh, and also one thing, if we don't, if you, if we don't follow you already on social media, Please do send us a message on Patreon, uh, and and we'll follow you back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, right. Let's leave it at that. Have a great week, everyone. See you on Tuesday. Ciao, ciao.